0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Journey DXB podcast with me at Nate's DXB. And today I'm joined by the wonderful Lyndon Magsino. Welcome, Lyndon. Thank you so much, Nathan, for having me here. My pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. Um, so obviously, we're talk- Lyndon is a very well-known character here in the Middle East, um, You know, worked with uh, the majority of central banks, heavily involved in the accounting and auditing um, scene uh, and also even a founder of a business school. Um, so we're, we're going to talk today a little bit about, um, you know, those journeys that uh, Lyndon's had. Um, he's going to talk a little bit about financial regulation, how that works with the central bank, um, the auditing and the accounting side of things, and a little bit about how, uh, how coming about his passion of founding a business school. So... Tell us a little bit about your journey. How long have you been here in the Middle East for? I've been here for about, since 2005, so about
1: 15 years or, 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 and counting. And in 2015, I moved here to Dubai uh, to take a, a regional role in one of the consulting firm in, uh, in the UAE. And I was handling uh, financial services, FSI uh, uh, portfolio in, in this uh, global consulting firm, dealing with regional banks, international and global banks as well as central banks in the Middle East so that's basically my my background and at the same time I was uh, uh, very passionate about business and entrepreneurship uh, apart from the risk management and auditing that I you know that's my my um, educational background and career but on the other side I'm also quite passionate about business entrepreneurship startups so that's that's my uh, that keeps me busy at the moment. And, uh, of course, uh, thank you uh, for inviting me here. Uh, I hope I will give some insights and guidance to your viewers, to your uh, audience uh, in this podcast. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Okay, so tell me about central banks. So that, that's obviously a very interesting topic particularly someone like me that's working in a a fintech startup so what do you do inside central banks and, and why is it so important
1: yeah central bank in in any in any country has different roles and different departments so i was in monetary policy we are creating and and drafting regulations for the financial services industry in the country and and we are Uh, Apart from drafting the regulations, we are also checking the compliance part and looking at whether banks and financial services are in compliance already for the new regulations that's about to come in. So that's particularly my role, and I was uh, managing a a team all over the the GCC and dealing with at least uh, three or four central banks uh, in the Middle East. Apart from that, as I mentioned, I I was uh, uh, giving advisory services, more on risk management, strategy, uh, internal audit, compliance, and and corporate governance for different banks here in in the UAE, Qatar, and also in free zones like DIFC, QFSA, uh, QFCA, and also in uh, EDGM in Abu Dhabi.
0: Wow, okay. And obviously a lot's changing in the financial services sector now. Obviously, uh, we're talking already about how... I'm involved in fintech, and that's obviously a large uh, driver towards that um What are your thoughts on the changes in the the financial ecosystem and the the potential regulatory changes that are going to come over the next let's say two three five years? yeah right now technology is is actually disrupting
1: the financial services industry as you can see a lot of uh, retail fintech uh, startups are like uh, sprouting like mushrooms, uh, even in Silicon Valley. I was there last year, and we were talking to uh, venture capital firms on a particular uh, fintech uh, idea. And in Silicon Valley alone, you will see a lot of, uh, uh, you know, great um, startup companies. And right now, for example, uh, just just to give a little bit of example, right now the, the retail banking is, is changing into... Uh, uh, as an isolated kind of fintech uh, uh, venture, and for example, retail loans can be given by fintech companies. And when it comes to regulations, just to just to touch the regulation a little bit, the reason why fintech is is somehow um, very competitive is because at the moment they are less regulated than than the existing banks who that are, you know, uh, ongoing and very highly regulated environment. So right now it is uh, disrupting the, the financial services and we will see more and more disruptions as we go, uh, you know, as, as the fintech matures. And uh, especially in the UAE, I've seen a lot of initiatives and programs in the IFC alone and, uh, and they are really encouraging uh, fintech startups and entrepreneurs to really come forward, uh, develop whatever ideas they have, and it is fully uh, supported by, by the government, and that's the good thing. In fact, in, in the news, they, they have opened uh, you know, a hub in, in the IFC for, for fintech startup uh, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, which is very, very timely because we know a lot of uh, companies that are really struggling, and, and employment is becoming uncertain. So for those people who are uh, you know, uh, unfortunate to you know, lose their jobs, and now it is a good time or maybe the best time to really uh, develop or grow whatever ideas they have and, and go to the entrepreneurship uh, zone and uh, you know, monetize the, the idea that they have.
0: Awesome. So you know, I'm seeing this already, the, the changes that are occurring, I already see some banks... Uh, taking on new ideas, shall we say, bringing in new brands to to fit to, let's say, the 21st century, the next generation of of financial services. Uh, Have you found that some banks are taking this well and others are not, shall we say? Uh, Right
1: now, the the strategy of most of the banks, uh, even when I was in consulting, uh, I've seen a lot of banks who are initiating, they have some sort of department doing their own fintech startups Mm -hmm. and some strategies are you know they are just grooming one startup uh, fintech startup company and then they will acquire and we have seen some uh, good examples uh, you know in that in that zone Uh, and and right now this is the only way for them to really uh, compete in the market otherwise uh, dealing with with uh, the masses you know uh, revamping their technologies, it's its a big investment for them. So the only way you can compete uh, in the next 10, 20 years is to really have a fintech uh, division on the side or at least a subsidiary for them to really compete and and get the benefits of both worlds uh dealing with corporate clients and and customers and also having fintech dealing with the retail and, and uh, the masses.
0: You still see banks, even in this COVID period of time, announcing massive, humongous profits. Mm. You talk about it's a big investment for them. Wouldn't you think uh, in this period of time where they see the the doubling down, obviously, with the issues with COVID and the innovation that's happening in the fintech industry, would you not think that this is a time for banks to perhaps understand that this is a, a, not necessarily a, a year where profitability is going to be very high and actually thinking and investing in for, for the future? Or do you, do you see that that's a different attitude which is not being taken on?
1: Right now, we're talking about COVID. It's too early to say about what will happen because we are still in the middle of it. And maybe by, by the year end, we will see the, the, the impact of, of the COVID-19 uh, but nonetheless, as you have mentioned, I think banks and financial services at large are still profitable because they have already the customer base. Okay? Yeah. They have already the clients. Now, the, whatever economic stress happening in, in the industry, in different industries, and for sure, most companies are having debts and loans with, with these banks, and that could be the potential impact of, of the COVID-19 and we will see that when we see the financial statements at the year end, because yeah. right now it's too early to say. Uh, I think a lot of companies have already take the initiative of, you know, uh, winding up some divisions or, uh, you know, cutting some some costs and yeah. managing their maybe the payroll. But uh, the 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 full picture will be visible by the year end after the year end audit is done. Yeah, and that's that's. What most of the banks are preparing uh, for.
0: So you know, just for the the guys that are listening to have an understanding of how the banks can be uh, affected by by COVID is it starts from the top. It ta- starts from the bottom and works all the way to the top, right? So right. people can't afford their rent. The people that own the properties can't afford to pay their mortgage. If they default on their mortgages, the banks are the ones that suffer. Now, do you think uh, you know you're you're involved in? the the accounting and auditing side of of the, of the banking um, of banking, would you say that there's a, a much larger defaulting rate this year and perhaps in the year next year to come? Um, not to mention any
1: specific bank, but uh, that's the expectation because in any crisis, in any depression or recession, uh, that's very very likely to happen. But uh, these banks are. Having you know reserves uh, and they have you know a big cushion to absorb whatever uh, potential uh, impact of the COVID-19, and you know these are you know they have deep pockets and heavy heavily capitalized. So yeah. in that sense, and uh, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, they are heavily regulated by the by the by the central bank and whatever regulators they have, and the idea is. They are monitoring their uh, their minimum capital requirements. That's one of the reg- uh, regulatory requirements for for financial services and for banks specifically, yeah. uh, which is as per Basel III, uh, and and that is, you know, closely monitored by by the bank. So, whatever impact of this, uh, most of the bank will most of the banks will absorb that and yeah. uh, come back to the business as usual uh, uh, zone. And even, for example, one of the bank's research uh, just published uh, yesterday, they have seen potential uh, growth and and expansion starting from Q1 2021. Mm-hmm. So we they are just waiting for this year to at least overcome whatever storm that we where we are in, and then by 2021 it will grow again and and go back to even higher business as usual that than uh, we used to have. So that's, that's the optimism
0: that we, we are seeing right now in, okay. in the banking industry and in the financial services. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously that we talk about regulation, maybe it's a bit of a boring subject for a lot of people, but why is regulation important to, you know, your average person, your average Joe out there, you know, people that are watching, just your normal consumer, why is regulation so important?
1: It is very, very important. You know, you cannot, you cannot run a business without a particular regulation. And, and that gives stability, that gives, you know, uh, when, when we talk about corporate governance and what, what is the responsibility of the senior management and even the tone at the top, the board of directors, uh, corporate governance talks about uh, what is your moral, moral obligation to the community, to your customers, to all your stakeholders uh, without, you know, regulator, without a regulator, that can be perhaps uh, compromise so I believe from the from the perspective of uh, being on that side uh, previously I think it's very critical otherwise uh, in any market in any country uh, that is that is like the foundation of your stability of your economic uh, development and growth and and of course uh, dealing with competitions and maybe in the future we will see like, uh, business combinations, mergers yeah. and acquisitions. So without, well, we're seeing that already. Yeah, we we have seen that already. Yeah. Uh, and without a regulator, then maybe uh, you will you are tend to go to the monopoly. Kind of of zone, yeah, cool. and that's not beneficial to your to the to the public and to the to the customers because if there's a monopoly, there's you know uh, concentration of power where they can dictate the price, they can dictate the competition, and you know as 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 a general rule, it's it's not healthy for for the economy and for the country. So I believe that regulations are uh, very critical and necessary to maintain that kind of stability and and growth.
0: Awesome. So we're going to talk a little bit about your passion. So, sure. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, I've known you for a, quite a while. In this particular passion of yours is is business, and in particular, you. Back in the day, you founded a business school. Yeah. There's not many people that can say they founded a business school. That's it's a, it's it's maybe
1: it is like a. Uh, an um, an accidental kind of uh, scenario for me because uh, I was I was uh, I, I, I'm the founder of the Philippine Institute of CPAs. Mm-hmm. It's a group of uh, group of auditors and, and finance professionals, uh, both uh, you know two two chapters uh, two. We call it PICPA, Philippine yeah. Institute of CPAs, and we have thousands of members all over the country. And in fact, just few months ago, we had our regional conference and we have around 7 chapters in the middle east alone and yeah. this is and we are linked to our head office in in, in manila so just
0: so just people understand from the the watching yeah. it's kind of like you probably would have heard of bni it's like a bni specifically yes. for finance for and auditors aud- yes. auditing professionals yeah. all yeah. in one place yes
1: so it's an association of yeah. uh, of the C- of the cpas certified public accountants so uh, fortunately, I'm, I'm, I have initiated that uh, group. And at some point in time, we need a, a, uh, a license to, you know, to exist legally in the country. And since we are giving a lot of trainings and master class programs to our members, mm. thousands and hundreds of members all over the GCC, then the idea of why don't we come up with a training company, so basically, it's a training company. Yeah. And uh, that's where the idea of, uh, of a business school came in and also coming from, uh, uh, you know, a business school, Halt International Business School, where I graduated mm. with distinction, of course. Uh, it's, it's a U.S. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a U.S. business school uh, based in, in Boston, mm. uh, Massachusetts. So... I said why don't we we venture into this thing and and you know give, your own one. give the best that's uh, ultimate programs. that's
0: ultimate entrepreneur yeah. right there
1: so yeah so we we, we capture the opportunity and that's the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit that we have yeah and and right now we are helping a lot of uh, Filipinos and, and this is one of our so just, advocacy as well just
0: from the Filipinos watching out there that the, you've got like a number 1 university in in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. or one of the top universities, and that's who you work hand in hand with, right? So you actually have a certification process which is certified by um, one of the top universities in the Philippines. Yeah,
1: we have a a memorandum of agreement Mm -hmm. with one of the top universities in the Philippines where Mm -hmm. I used to teach as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called De La Salle University. And, and, you know, Filipinos will recognize easily the, the name La yeah. Salle University it's the best uh, yeah. when it comes to business in fact even uh, Jackma when when he went to the Philippines uh, I think last year uh, he he went to that uh, university straight away and he gave a lot of uh, you know uh, conferences and talks uh, in that country so we have uh, some sort of a tie up with
0: with that university at the moment okay and and Obviously, you know, you, you take a, a back seat, I suppose, with with the running of, of the business school. But from the people that are involved in it on a day-to-day basis, what are the pros and cons? What's the, the positives and negatives that have they found on, on the journey so far?
1: Yeah. As, as we were talking about fintech, do you know that edtech is also quite in demand? Yeah, it's and massive. You, you have seen yeah. uh, Udemy, Coursera, and LinkedIn Learning and all that. And even, you know business schools are, are going and venturing into that kind of zone because right now having you know work work from home zone and you know people uh, are you know not comfortable to go out and attend certain classes and programs so uh, this this uh, business school training company have also they have ventured also into uh, that kind of ed tech so they are providing mm-hmm. um, you know online courses uh and, and trainings mm-hmm. uh, that, that's what's happening right now so as you have mentioned I'm not very active in in the day-to-day operations I have just initiated it yeah but uh, there are some people who are managing the the day-to-day operations of that of that company
0: amazing yeah it's pretty impressive like just out of, just from like yeah I'm gonna do my MBA i do my MBA you know what I'm gonna start my own business school love yeah, that yeah yeah right and and right
1: too. now it's more of a passion for me and advocacy. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a personal advocacy. You know, it's very good to see. Uh, you may not be aware of the, the, you know, the, the Filipinos. Uh, they are very hardworking and very, uh, and so most of them are intelligent as well. But somehow they are uh, deprived with certain opportunities because yeah. of certain, uh, I think there's one piece that is missing in, in the puzzle, and that's what we are trying to uh, fill in 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 the Philippine Business School. So you're, really, you're very
0: much trying to push an entrepreneurial attitude yeah. to people, yeah. aren't you? Correct. Rather right. than being this, I suppose, box which is the workers' box, right? Yeah. You're trying to open that box up to say, well, actually, you know, you're very well educated. You have a great understanding of the world. You, sp- mm. you know, you you. Sp- you speak English better than than ninety nine percent of the n- the non speaking English uh, English first language world, right? So even that, all these the attributes that the Filipino community have, they can potentially open up that box to become entrepreneurs yeah. in their own right. Yeah,
1: and 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 of course uh, we are dealing with uh, with government officials as well. Uh, not to mention, uh, of course, we are dealing with our. Uh, uh, our consulate general in Dubai, and uh, I would like to have a shout out or, or thank our consul general we, Paul Raymond Cortez for love, the guidance. We love Congen. Yeah, we love Congen. Congen, thank you very much for your support. And, uh, <laughs> He's a great, guy, he man. a great guy. Great guy. So, so that's where we are. Uh, for me, it is more of you know advocacy, as I mentioned. We're helping people to, you know, to have that kind of. Entrepreneurial kind of mindset that yeah. uh, you know it's 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 a safety net for them and for some it could be you know the livelihood for them especially right now uh, when people are uh, going back to the Philippines you, you
0: know. you're pushing the next yeah. generation to yes. to to not necessarily be stuck in what the generation before was, was, was mm. a box you know you, i know you, I, I obviously i've done a lot of work in the filipino community where you talk about ofw's overseas mm. filipino workers yeah but you don't necessarily really like the term ofw's do you because it, it describes people being in that box when you know o- overseas filipino workers what's what's stopping someone from being an overseas filipino entrepreneur or overseas Fis- Filipino business person yeah. um so I, I very you know very I love that concept of what you what you guys have created at that business school for yeah. sure um what do you say let's say you've been in you've been in the the, the Middle East for 15 years mm. what's the what do you see the pros and cons of what's happened of over the growth of the, that period of time I
1: have very few cons or disadvantages, uh, for being here. And uh, for me, it's almost my, my home. And in fact, we are heavily invested in, in the country, in the Middle East. Uh, Me and my family are already here. I have two kids. My wife is also working here and, uh, you know, we are enjoying, uh, the life and the, the, you know, the the lifestyle here. Uh, but nonetheless, of course. the, the major concern for some of our uh, you know fellow citizens and and you know they, they see it as uh, very uh, very temporary for mm-hmm. them uh, I, I'm talking about in behalf of you know the larger community mm-hmm. uh, that it is and that is why they they, they invest in the Philippines, uh, for example, they are buying condominiums and properties in the Philippines because at some point in time of their life they are looking at, uh, forward to that kind of retirement yeah. where they will go back and you know maybe settle down, set up a small business or a big business, whatever yeah. and, and continue the life there. So which is different from uh, some people like for example for me, where we see our life here as quite long term yeah uh, So it depends on how you look at it. But of course, as you have said, there there are pros and cons. For me, I have only few cons. It's more of the the pros for me.
0: Yeah. Amazing. All right, one last question. Sure. You've been here fifteen years. You've been five five years in the UAE, did you say? Yeah. Um, you've worked with central banks in the region. You've worked with banks in the region. You've managed to found a business school. You've chaired a, 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 a chapter seven different chapters of a. Of, of an accounting and auditing. Only two, only two uh, chapters. Oh, yeah, yeah, or seven different chapters in Yeah, shared two I, I, I
1: oversee, maybe I help them to stabilize and uh, create a kind of federation or yeah. association among the different chapters. Yeah, that's it.
0: With yeah. all that put together, what's going to happen in the next five years for Linden Magazine? Where are you going to be in five years?
1: That's a very hard question, man. <laughs> so, so maybe it's designed
0: to be. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. Uh, Maybe five years from now, I will uh, continue the kind of the advocacy that we are doing, and if we can grow it um, uh, and and reach other other markets, mm-hmm. and perhaps uh, help more Filipinos, because that's my personal advocacy as well to really educate the the uh, you know the Filipinos, the global Filipinos in 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 the Middle East so that they will have that kind of mindset because we are, we are giving that kind of growth mindset yeah. from a business and entrepreneurship point of view. So that's, that's, that's the goal. Uh, maybe five years, uh, um, only God knows what will happen. But uh, so far, that's the plan. We are uh, looking forward to to be more stable uh, day by day. And, yeah. uh, um, and right now, it's, it's It's a very hard question to be honest so five years from now is is quite long for for us to to, to plan ahead but that's where i I see myself to help more Filipinos uh, educate because that's my my passion as well mm-hmm. uh, and and whatever help we can give to change the mindset and yeah. that's 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 a very satisfying uh advocacy so that's that's the mission mm-hmm. i hope uh i hope more people will help us to achieve that kind of mission i know there are more people who are even more competent and more willing mm-hmm. but maybe they don't have the, they don't have the time or they don't have the platform to mm-hmm. to really uh execute whatever desire they have in terms of helping others uh so it may be a good opportunity for for them to you know join us and and let's do this together and reach more people uh, and this is open also for other nationalities yeah. uh, and in fact in our in our Institute in the Philippine uh, Institute of CPAs we have a lot of attendees in our master class seminars and, and conferences coming from different countries and different nationalities yeah. because they see value of you know in, in in what what we are doing okay and we invite um, a subject matter experts from different nationalities, different countries, to speak mm-hmm. in our events, and uh, hopefully, our our mission will not stop, you know, from here, and even it should go beyond five years.
0: If you believe something yeah. and you believe in something and you're passionate yeah. enough about it, you will just keep going and it will of keep course. going. There'll be ups and downs, right? Of course, like yeah. anything, there's which, ups and downs, but it's normal. Yeah? you move forward. Yeah, Linda Magsino, thank you very much.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much.